Welcome to Hub and Flow, a podcast produced by Natural Gas Intelligence. On a mission to provide transparency to the natural gas market, Hub and Flow focuses on key fundamentals driving the price of natural gas and LNG in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Natural Gas Intelligence, or NGI, is a subscription based price reporting agency, which means we provide trusted and independent natural gas pricing and news for the North American market. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of NGI's Hub & Flow podcast. I'm Jameson Coughlin, editor of LNG Insight, which provides subscribers with North American LNG news and pricing, plus key European and Asian fundamentals. Today, we've got Joe Rea, Chief Commercial Officer at ABEX Exchange, returning to the podcast. Hi, Joe. Thanks again for uh, joining us. Hey, Jameson. How are you? Good to see you, or good to hear good, from good. you. Doing very well, doing very well. Wanted to bring you back to get just a quick update on on where things stand at at ABEX. I know the company has been very busy. So I guess just maybe diving in, kind of giving a a quick overview here. Put simply, ABEX is working to launch a commodity exchange and list LNG, nickel, and and carbon futures initially. Did did I get that right? I mean, can you just give our listeners a, a brief overview of what you guys do? Yeah, and we started with LNG first, for those who remember four plus four and a half years ago. And that led us into carbon, given the change or the the addition of carbon trading to most of the LNG desks. And and then just from our outreach in the marketplace, our part, our podcast that we do, and I'll give up a little plug for Smarter Markets podcast, that's brought us a lot of new um, inbounds from, from fairly large customers. We were able to get involved uh, from BHP out in Singapore in the development of a new nickel sulfate or a new nickel market, which we determined from the interaction with the marketplace and nickel sulfate was the product that they were going to need. So yeah, the transition energies are important to us. Again, for those that don't know, we are developing not only or will be launching not only the exchange, a futures exchange, but also a clearinghouse to centrally clear all the products and the futures contracts that we'll be listing. The contracts will be physically deliverable, uh, at least the first three verticals will be in LNG, carbon, and nickel sulfate. We've already started work on some other battery metals too, again, from, from inbounds that we've gotten from some fairly large non-traditional battery metal players, I guess you can put it, or mining companies. And so, yeah, so that's going to be uh, another interesting you know, ability to bring these new contracts to market. And I think for those that remember during the, the NYMEX and the Clearport days, having the control over the clearinghouse does allow us and give us the opportunity to bring new products to market re- relatively quickly when the marketplace comes to us and asks us for them. Okay. Okay. So that kind of kind of sets the stage. So I guess uh, maybe the next natural question for me is: I mean, how close are you to to launching the exchange, listing these future contracts? And I understand that you guys recently completed some financing too. So how does that sort of fit into everything right now? Right, and and I think you have to keep it in the context of uh, looking back to when the last time there was a fully global commodity futures exchange and clearinghouse launched and built from scratch. And that's uh, from the conversations we have, we've had with the FIA. It's basically decades, mainly because it is hard, takes a long time, requires a lot of funding and patience from your investors and the regulator too. And so you know, we chose MAS in Singapore as our regulator uh, for a couple of reasons. We felt that they were incredibly business savvy. They had 
very, very good risk oversights of markets. They require more skin in the game from us as the operator of the clearinghouse. And obviously, the you know the energy transition and markets for LNG, global LNG, and, and battery metals do go through Asia. So for us, we felt that that was a, an important uh, beachhead for us to start our, our markets on. The process, you know, for getting a license, a clearinghouse license and an exchange started about four years ago after we decided to, to base it in Singapore. The licensing process goes through several stages, obviously, and uh, the important part of it being the risk systems that we built for the exchange. And again, we're building this from the ground up. It's not that we're taking an existing clearinghouse and just, you know, putting our name on it. This is a uh, from the ground up entity that, you know, requires everything from the technology to margining to products, obviously, to be built built from scratch. And once you get that done and the MAS signs off on it, they give you an approval in principle uh, for both, uh, and in our case, an RMO license, which is a regulated market operator, and then an AIC, which is, or an ACH, excuse me, which is an approved clearinghouse. And so those two licenses require capital to be injected before the final licenses are, are granted to us. And the funding that we announced uh, a couple of weeks ago puts us in that category of having the proper capital in place so that we can launch the, um, the clearinghouse in the exchange and ultimately the LNG contracts, carbon and nickel sulfate contracts to start. Okay. You know, it occurs to me too, maybe for, for those not in the know, could, could you explain, you know, the, the role of a, of a clearinghouse in all this, in the difference with an exchange, and, and, and just kind of fill us in on some of the language that you're, that you're throwing out here. I mean, generally, it's about a difference of what we've seen is of, you know, about $50 million in four years, right? And exchanges, and I put air quotes on those, are not a dime a dozen, but there's a lot of them out there. But most of them, if not all, not all of them, except for CME and ICE and SGX are not regulated, right? So you look at the uh, platforms, right? And we look at those those type of exchanges as OTC broker or broker platforms or OTC market platforms that are generally not regulated. So when you look at Expansive, Air Carbon, many other platforms that are out there, they are not fully regulated futures exchanges and clearinghouse. And the clearinghouse is the important part in that it manages the risk of the the contracts that are being traded on the exchange. And so there's there's several exchanges that don't have their own clearinghouse uh, for a while. ICE, when they started, a few folks that remember that, was clearing their their brand contracts through LCH, right, in the very beginnings, and then they built their own clearinghouse. And so there's there's several of those that are as examples in the marketplace, but most most of them, like CME and ICE, have their own clearinghouse. And with that comes the connection with the clearing members, and clearing members are generally the larger banks that are involved in intermediating markets in commodity markets markets and FX and interest rates, you know, futures contracts, futures markets that, that are listed. Uh, FCMs are involved in that as kind of the first stop on the risk train, so to speak, where they have the connectivity to the customers, the FCM does, and then the FCM comes to us and connects with us to manage margin and risk. And, and ultimately, the exchange in the clearinghouse and the clearinghouse itself are the last stop on the risk train. So there's a kind of a hierarchy of, of risk management in that whole trade process. So when you trade a, you know, currently today a Henry Hub contract or a WTI or a brand contract as futures, you know, that always goes through not only the exchange, but also the clearinghouse, which manages all that risk. 
Okay. Okay. So some important distinctions there. Glad I big, asked. Big distinction. Yeah. Big distinction. And we, you know, we, we kind of, again, we, we, we try to make that distinction as much as we can because the word exchange does get taken a lot uh, way too loosely. Okay. Okay. And then going back to the financing real quick, I think that you guys recently raised what, 27 million, that's Canadian dollars. Canadian, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. And, and that's because you guys are listed in, in Canada. Is that why you? We are right. We are listed. The, the parent company of X technologies is listed on the SIBO Canada exchange. And uh, we, uh, we, yeah. So because we are technically a Canadian entity and the funding will go through the, into the parent and then be dispersed into the uh, exchange and clearinghouse entities, which are wholly owned by the parent, that will generally be the, the, the way that the funds will flow into the exchange and the clearinghouse. Okay, so but the financing though it allows you guys to keep operating. It allows you to keep working towards this goal. I mean, this is why this is so important, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the capital is generally uh, set aside or regulatory capital, so it's not working capital. This is required by the regulator to be again uh, the the amount of skin in the game or risk capital that we are required to put up by the regulator by MAS is quite significantly higher than what's required by CFTC or FSA in uh, in Europe. Okay. Yeah. You had, you had touched on that earlier. So that's kind of what I was getting at there. Okay. So sw- switching gears here a little bit, you kind of already touched on this. You, you're you're going to launch these these physically settled contracts. I mean, this is particularly important in LNG. I think you guys are launching contracts for Northwest Europe, North Asia, and the Gulf Coast. I mean, these could ultimately serve, I think, as, a, as an alternative to financially settled instruments like JKM. I mean, I know you and I have talked about this in the past, but could you maybe walk us through you know, how these physically settled contracts are going to benefit the the LNG market in particular? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's an important part of the distinction between the the financial instruments that have been out there, the the index-related instruments that have been out there, and the need for uh, physical benchmarks. And that really was the, you know, the start of the the work that we did as an an exchange and clearinghouse and, you know, talking to the gas markets and the, the trading firms. And, you know, the one thing that kept coming up back in the very early days here was that there was no global benchmark or pricing instrument for LNG or for waterborne. LNG. And that was going back four or five years ago when the marketplace was still developing, right? There wasn't a lot of spot cargoes. The term contract structure was you know, somewhat changing. We were getting to the point of increasing amount of spot cargoes available in the marketplace. And, and even um, now today, we're seeing more optimization of even term contracts. So the flexibility of being able to manage risk, price risk, delivery risk, counterparty risk for physical waterborne LNG was non-existent. There wasn't any contracts that were available on any exchange globally. And so we started our work with probably 100 firms that we put under NDA to start discussing contract design specifications, delivery specifications on chemical capab- uh, you know, characteristics, the entire, you know, the entire structure of uh, building a new futures contract. And the three contracts that we did and ultimately decide on what the marketplace was, was, as you mentioned, Northwest Europe, and that's a full ARA down to the Med, and also including the UK, and then North Asia from China to South Korea, Japan range, and then a US Gulf FOB contract. You know, the funny thing is, as we 
the marketplace has changed a lot. And then Northwest Europe wasn't originally part of the, the contract suite that we that we had originally developed. But about two and a half years ago, even prior to the war in Russia and Ukraine, we started um, and the supply issues into, into Europe. We had already started designing a Northwest Europe contract because we saw and heard the issues that were going on with pricing with TTF and the, the lack of you know real connectivity between uh, waterborne LNG that was starting to flow into Northwest Europe and the pricing instrument of TTF itself. So we think that that's going to be a really interesting contract and it's got a lot of interest from the you know a lot of the different players in the marketplace, merchant energy firms, utilities uh, across the board. And the same for the U.S. Gulf. And when you think about Gulf Gulf FOB contract cargoes, I think now there's a number I heard a couple of weeks ago when I was in Houston, is that there are almost 100, if not 100 cargoes a month now, LNG cargoes coming out of the Gulf. And so our contract spreads across all of the terminals from Corpus all the way over to Lake Charles and gives the marketplace a lot of flexibility to uh, to manage the supply risk, the, the timing of rough supply in the uh, in the U.S. Gulf. Okay. I think you kind of anticipated one of my next questions. I mean, you, you talked about, you know, managing risk. You talk about how much the market has has changed. I mean, did you think that the conflicts in Ukraine, the, the conflict in Israel have reinforced a need for, for a better benchmark in the, the LNG market? I mean, I, I would probably think that the answer is yes. I think that these conflicts have created more volatility. You know, you, you mentioned how, you know, TTF isn't really representative of the LNG trade. So, I mean, has what's going on in the world reinforced what you guys are trying to do, made it a little bit easier? Maybe that's not the right term, but do you know what I mean? Definitely not easy. Yeah, it's definitely not easy, but it has reinforced the, our thesis of, of the products, the product verticals that we've chosen. And, you know, there's been changes like the carbon markets. The original carbon spec that we developed was in uh, a more red plus structure and you know since the past two years have pointed to us that there have been so many issues in the in the dependability i guess of the nature-based red plus contracts the the uh, the quality of them and it's given us the opportunity having not launched yet to redesign that contract and we'll be coming out with something a little bit different that again the marketplace i think i think the thing that differentiates us from the other exchanges and we learned this a lot during my years at the nymex and one of my colleagues dan mackleduff who worked with me at the nymex the products that we developed on the clearport that you can't just do it in a vacuum you need um you need buy-in or you need interaction with the marketplace and we did it with lng we continue to do it we've done it with carbon of the working group structure we had there and we did it with nickel sulfate where we had 25 firms that basically had uh, input into the the, you know the final construct of the nickel sulfate contract and we'll continue to do it across all the other asset classes because you you give yourself a better than 50 50 chance or at least 50 50 if nothing else of success of the contract by having some vested interest from the marketplace to, to trade it, you know, help design it. So, yeah, that's a big difference from, from ourselves. And, and I, I, we, we think from our experience with the other exchanges, knowing how we work versus them, that um, you know, physical products aren't easy to launch. It takes a lot of time to and interaction time with customers to get the right specs put down on paper. Okay. So, so, so given all that, I think, I think the only other question I would have for you, Joey, is, I mean, as you guys step back, you know, you've, you've completed this financing, you're clearly progressing things. But as you look at the LNG markets, you, you look at metals, you, you look at carbon futures, what, what, do you, what would you say is the biggest opportunity 
for for abex in, in out of all those those three things right there it's a great question it's you know it, we obviously are, are very much focused on lng and we've been spending a lot of time with the risk officers at a lot of the major firms i still am full full belief that that's going to be something on the order of magnitude of what henry hopes trades or wti eventually it's a very important contract but you know the surprise and the development time of building the nickel sulfate contract and the, and the support from the industry kind of that's going to be a sleeper i think where there is again uh, a need for managing risk in that marketplace uh, versus lme nickel and the issues that the lme has had and uh, we see other asset classes or contracts already being proposed to us for ideas in battery metals in physical deliverable battery metals futures that we are working on already and so yeah the pipeline so to speak uh, does be does uh, actually you know is pretty full at the moment which is fantastic and i think i think nickel sulfate will be a very interesting contract to launch that'll be one of the first ones out the door for us along with lng and i think that those i think all three product verticals are very a good chance of success uh, once we launch them and you know as i said beginning lng is obviously our initial focus and we you know every time we go to houston and speak to the marketplace or geneva or singapore you continue to get people reaching out to us and saying we need these products there isn't anything like it we can't manage risk we can't mark our books because of the financial nature and the settlement process of financially indexed products and so the marketplace needs these and i think all three of them will have uh, equally good chance of success right right i i definitely agree i think that the lng market is is very much interested in those sorts of products okay so um anything else i missed here that we maybe should, should touch on before we sign off joe no, I think we covered a lot. I think you know we'll we'll be uh, you know with financing will be closing soon, and that will give us uh, the MAS will then grant us the two licenses, and then we'll be you know ready to, uh, to ready to launch. We're working with FCMs right now for uh, you know the onboarding the testing of their systems with ours. We're at a stage of being of readiness now, full readiness from our, our risk systems and our, our clearing systems. So you know we're actually starting that work now, and we're pretty excited to get the, some of the workshops that we'll be putting in place with FCMs with brokers. You know, it's an important part to mention is that our trades are block trades and the broker community, like we did with the NYMEX Clearport platform back in the day, the brokers will be an important part of the success of the platform. And we have great uh, relationships across the board from my years at the NYMEX and, uh, and also at Goldman with the broker community. And we're really looking forward to getting them involved in some new products like we're launching. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I think the market's certainly going to keep a close eye on all that too. Okay. I think that does it uh, for today. Thanks again for joining us, Joe. And thanks again to all of you for listening to NGI's Hub and Flow podcast. Dependable data drives informed business decisions. Trust NGI to provide your natural gas and LNG data for North America. If your business requires daily, weekly, or midweek pricing data, forward curves, or flow data, NGI has a reliable product suite to support you. Visit natgasintel.com backslash services to understand what we have to offer and how we can help you and your business today. Thank you for listening to NGI's Hub & Flow podcast today. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it, and please do share it with your colleagues. A trusted provider of natural gas news, data, and pricing information for North America, NGI offers subscription-based products. Please visit natgasintel.com if you are interested in NGI and our services. If you would like to dive deeper into this subject, additional resources are available on our website as well. Just visit natgasintel.com and click on the Resources tab to find the podcast page.